So being a minority and celebrating holidays that are not mainstream, we don't get the day off, which is something that we've been trying to fight the district board with. You often have to miss school and then you have to worry about all the work you're missing. So I think that's a bit harder to do as like, again, as a minority group of like, how can we celebrate when like school systems and work systems kind of work against you a little bit. Welcome to Respect, Relate, Connect, the official podcast for Living Room Conversations, a nonprofit organization focused on building understanding and bringing people together through guided conversations since 2010. Well, hi, welcome to this month's episode of the Respect, Relate, Connect podcast, the official podcast for Living Room Conversations. I'm Stuart Fletcher. I'm going to be your host tonight, and I have three guests here with me who will be able to introduce themselves in just a minute here. We will be discussing today our Holidays and Traditions Guide. I love being able to go through these conversations and host this podcast because I get to hear from a lot of different perspectives about things that can seem really commonplace, things that are just kind of part of our everyday life. Sometimes we take them for granted, the more common they are. And so I like to learn about new things and I like to appreciate what I already have. And so that that way, everything becomes more meaningful. The guide we're talking about today, Holidays and Traditions, was created last year. And it can be found on our website at livingroomconversations.org. What is great about livingroomconversations.org is we have all of our resources, both guides and we have collections of questions and we have different resources booklets. All of these things are free to use, and they can all be scaled to your needs. Our guides can be tailored for panelists and assembly halls, for faith groups and libraries, for classrooms and community centers, and even just for families and friends. Everything we make is designed to put people first, experiences first, empathy first, and then issues and facts and positions second. So as we go through today, we're going to be talking not about a political thing, but something that can be sensitive for lots of people. So I just encourage you all to make sure that we put empathy and understanding first. So now we are going to introduce ourselves. Here's how we're going to do it. So we are going to do say our name and we will say where we live and what we hope to get out of this conversation. And then by the end, we'll go back to that last question and see if our expectations kind of met our experience. So I'll go first, and then Andre, and then Ershad, and then we'll finish with Anishka at the end. And that's kind of the order we're going to stay in for the most part. All right, so like I said, my name is Stuart Fletcher. I live in Provo, Utah. I go to Brigham Young University. And what I hope to get out of this conversation is just a broader understanding of what the holidays mean to more people, specifically holidays that maybe I'm not familiar with. I grew up Christian, and so there are lots of holidays, oddly enough, at the end of the year, but also just throughout the whole year that I have very little knowledge about and very little connection to. And so I'm excited to learn more about that. Cool. Um, I guess that's my cue. Uh, My name is Andre Wingfield. I live in San Antonio, Texas right now. And uh, for me, you know, I had a pretty 
uh, I would say American traditional um, holiday traditions <laughs> growing up. So I'm hoping to expand my perspective a little bit, um, learn a little bit more about you all and just uh, get, uh, you know, hopefully be able to be more authentic going forward and just know a little bit more about uh, about some some folks who are different than myself. So looking forward to it. Hi, my name is Ershad Mola. I live in Columbus, Ohio. Um, I'm excited and I'm looking forward to find common ground. I feel like no matter what we celebrate, there's oh, there's always some parallel. There's always some common ground we all share. So I'm excited to see what those are. Hi, um, I'm Anishka Dervasla and I live in Irvine, California. So I'm excited to kind of hear about everyone's different family traditions um, and the holidays that we each kind of celebrate. And also kind of mirroring what Irshad was saying, finding some of the similarities that are kind of there for everyone, even though the holidays and traditions might be different. Perfect. Thank you guys so much. A uh, quick question before we proceed to the next part. Irshad, is Ohio in the Eastern time zone or is it central? Eastern. Okay, finally. I've been hosting this podcast for almost a year now. And I've been waiting to get a podcast where we have somebody in each time zone. I think we did it. <laughs> Perfect. If you're in Eastern and then Andre's in Central and then I'm in Mountain and Anishka's in Pacific, I mean, finally, this is this is what I've been building towards this whole year. Well, we are going to continue down past the introduction and we're going to talk about our conversation agreements. These conversation agreements are our six guidelines for productive conversations. And it's really what sets living room conversations apart from just any other kind of structured dialogue is that we are going to read these six points and each one represents a common pain point in conversations just across the board and a way to fix it. So I'll read the first one. And if you guys are willing, we'll just go back in that order and we'll each read a bullet point. So the first is be curious and listen to understand. Show respect and suspend judgment. Note any common ground as well as any differences. Be authentic and welcome that from others. Be purposeful and to the point. Own and guide the conversation. Perfect. And I'm going to invite each of you to think about those agreements as we go through this conversation. And at any point, if you feel like someone's violating one of these six agreements, we can stop, we can reevaluate, and then we can move forward. So we'll move down to round one, which is another introductory round of getting to know each other slightly better. They found that when you actually have a personal connection with somebody, it's easier for you to accept new information and it's easier for you to put them first over any kind of difference that you might have. So this, these questions are designed to help us ease into getting to know each other before we go to the bulk of the conversation. So in round one, there are three questions and we'll each get one to two minutes to answer one of those three, whichever one you wanna choose. Here are the three questions. What are your hopes and concerns for your family, community, and or the country? What would your best friend say about who you are? What sense of purpose, mission, or duty guides you in your life? The one that really drew me in was what sense of purpose, mission, or duty guides you in your life? It's something I've been thinking about a lot recently. 
I'm not even really sure why. Sometimes you just do some kind of self-evaluations. You need to figure out like what your values are, where you stand, who you really are, and if what you do reflects who you are. And a sense of purpose or mission or duty that really guides me is making sure that everything I say or do comes from a place of authenticity, that I am being 100% genuine in my interactions with people, in my interactions with myself, with my self-talk, with the actions I choose to do in public, in private, what doesn't matter. As long as I am being 100% authentic and integrous to who I am, I feel like I'm doing the right thing. Because even if I am like maybe off the path or I'm not being as productive as I want to be, if I'm being authentic, I can recognize it. But if I'm being inauthentic, there's no way to even recognize the problem. So I can't fix it. Oh, that's, that's awesome, Stuart. And are we, is this, are we going one after the other? Or are we leaving room for like commentary and stuff? Or So we will just go one after the other right now. Okay. And as the rounds progress, it'll open up to a more freeform conversation. Sure thing. So um, I'll go. Um, I also really like that question just because, you know, in everything I do, I try to come from a place of value system, um, whether I'm trying to start a new hobby or whatever. So for me, I mean, I really like that answer as well. But if I were to put a spin on that, I would say that I want to, um, I want to be able to express myself authentically. So not just in, you know, um, how I speak and how I move and, you know, what I choose to do with my life, but also, um, anything I create, um, anything I put out there, anything that I, uh, share, you know, I want to make sure that that is, uh, something that's coming from me without fear of judgment and that, you know, people, um, uh, can hopefully get some sense of joy from it. And also just providing as well, you know, I've been, um, you know, making sure that the folks in my, in my 10 foot, you know, who, who I see every day and my, my girlfriend, my family and everything are taken care of, you know, for the foreseeable future and beyond. And then uh, my community as well, you know, making sure I'm representing my faith the best I can being a vessel for God and, you know, um, make sure I'm pouring back in my community, um, doing charity work, things of that nature. So, I would say that's what guides me, um, you know, definitely always something that can be improved on, but, uh, and always something that's changing as well, but that's the best answer I can give at this moment in time. So. Nice. Um, for me, I would say for the first question about hopes and kind of concerns, this kind of goes together is, um, so I do a lot of my work is on youth voice and youth justice and getting, um, in like politics and civics. And I've noticed a lot of times where you're often, you're told like, so I was at a conference recently and one individual said, he said that adults are at 21. So your brain's fully developed at 21. So if you're 23, you're a two-year-old adult, therefore your experiences are invalid. And I was like, okay, 
interesting take. I was like, I understand where you're coming from, but it's like, but it's like a full stop. It's just like, people are like, okay, now because you're that young, we shouldn't listen to you at all. But for me, it's like, I'm not saying I'm right all the time. I'm just saying we should all listen to each other. I think there's so much wisdom in the, like a second grader. I learn a lot from little kids. So we're all in this world together. So we should all listen to each other and feel heard. So that's something I hope um, I'm able to like work together with other people to do. And I, that's a concern I've seen. And I hope we can all listen to each other more. I really liked everything you were saying, Rashad, and I feel the same way. Um, I feel like I'll try to answer, I guess, the second question of what would your best friend say about who you are? Um, I think that's a that's a tricky one, but I feel like my friends would say that I'm very kind of logic oriented. So I like to see situations and um, things objective, and I'm always kind of like giving my advice that it, is in a way that's very kind of logic oriented. Um, and I think that I'm also someone who like loves to have fun and sees like the joy in doing a lot of different activities. And um, I think that there's a lot of different things that kind of fill your cup. And I feel like I try to be someone who's like diverse in that because I think that if you put something or too much water in one cup and not enough in the others, then it's just kind of kind of overflow. So I feel like balance, um, and trying to see things in a very logical light is something that my best friends would say about me. Perfect. I loved all those answers. I'm always curious what my best friend would actually say about me. You never know, but hopefully all good things. We'll move to round two, which will be the bulk of our conversation today. And it's a bank of several questions. And just like before, I'm going to read through these questions and we'll each get two minutes of our own little time to express exactly how we feel to answer one of the following questions. But then after that, that's when we're kind of going to open it up. You can respond to other people. You can ask people direct questions. We can have a little bit more free form here. But before we jump to those questions, there's a paragraph right at the top of the page. Can I get one of you guys to volunteer to read that paragraph for us right under the picture? Oh, I see it. Okay, I'll I'll read it. Um, Tis the season where people start to put up lights and decorate their homes, where shopping centers sell seasonal adornments and ornaments, and we can smell the aroma of warm spices and baked pies fill up in the air. Holiday traditions are meant to bring people and families together, and what better way than to share what we love most about celebrating the holidays. Holiday traditions are unique from household to household, and every tradition has the space to be celebrated. So let's get together and share just how we celebrate the holidays. Perfect. Thank you so much. So with that little bit of background in play here, I'm going to read out these questions, and then we're going to go one at a time, and then we're going to open up. So the first question is, what are your early memories of celebrating the holidays? What traditions do you associate with those holidays? What does connecting with family and friends over the holidays look like for you? What do you love about it? What would you change? How has this changed over the years for you? What experiences have you had sharing your traditions with others? When have others shared traditions with you? What was that like? Are there any new traditions you'd like to explore or add to what you already celebrate? What sparks your curiosity about these traditions? When you think about holidays and traditions, what's at the heart of the matter for you? 
So that's quite a few questions. And so I'm going to go first and we'll go back in that order. But feel free to take a little bit of time to formulate your thoughts. We're not going to try to rush you to have like some perfect answer right away. The question that jumped out to me is the very last one. When you think about holidays and traditions, what's at the heart of the matter for you? I think that is really the central question with any kind of tradition, whether it's religious or cultural or community, whatever, whatever the tradition is, like why does it exist? What does it actually bring for you? I grew up in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And we are a very, very family-oriented Christian denomination. There's like, if you knew any stereotypes about us, it's like they have, there's big families, there's lots of kids, and there's like huge dinner tables covered in food, and they're all just like fighting around to try to eat. That was literally like, that's my childhood. I come from a massive family, especially for American standards. I'm the middle of 10 children. And so every holiday was just like, It was like Black Friday to do anything. We just like this horde of kids running around trying to get anything done where we demolish whole turkeys with like nobody's business. We just, we had to buy candy in bulk if we ever try to decorate a gingerbread house. And to me, what lies at the heart of all my traditions, whether religious or cultural or whatever, it, it is my family. It's like without my family, it feels kind of, ah, feels kind of wrong. I've had Christmases away from home or I've had birthdays away from home. I've had all these things that you have to celebrate in a different way. And it always feels a little incomplete. To me, the holidays and the traditions around them are designed for an excuse to celebrate your family. And everything else is kind of, it's a bonus. And the family is what really is the central figure of it all. That's a, that's a great answer. Um, and I guess the one, and I would agree with you just to pick a different question. What I would say is question two, what is connecting with family and friends over the holidays look like for me? Again, I agree. You know, it's all about, um, the, the family and your, uh, you know, the people and your, your loved ones. Right. And what that looks like for me, is it varies from year to year right but especially when i when we were younger and everyone lived in maryland together that's my aunts my uncles my cousins coming over and you have the age groups like separating off and mixing so the adults over here and you know they're doing karaoke and like the kids are like there and they're waiting to take their turn and they're like you know, you got your one cousin who is on the uh, the Game Boy on Pokemon and y'all are talking about your Pokemon, whatever. And like the adults are drunk, but you don't really realize it because you're a kid and you're just like, wow, everyone's so happy. Like that is what it is to me. So just like, you know, a lot of activity, a lot of energy, um, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, love, right. And then being able to see it from the different perspectives with the different ages as well. And that's what I love about it, really. Um, you know, I never... Uh, I, I would say I was pretty close with all my cousins and even the older folks, you know, my, um, you know, my grandma would live with us for a long time and she would have us there. I remember we were all making a pie from scratch and that's like very, it's very classic. Right. But I'm very blessed to have had that experience um, at my dad's house. You know, it was uh, cause I 
had two separate households. So at my dad's house, it was um, similar for sure. The family's a bit more spread out, so not quite as much. But um, even then, you know, we would either go to our aunt's house or have, um, you know, my dad, my dad's siblings would come over, whatever that looks like, right? What I would change about it is just from the perspective of a child, right? Like I said, you don't know everyone's drunk. Like I, there's like a lot at play, maybe in the background that I'm not aware of. So for me, I'm just like, I can see my favorite cousins, you know, we're singing karaoke and we're eating all this good food and we're this, this, and this. And then as I get older and life gets more complex, I learn who doesn't like who. And I learn some bits of the family history and I'm like, okay. And then, you know, that certain relative gets drinks in them and now holidays ruined for everyone. So <laughs> that's, you know, that's, that doesn't happen. That's not really a huge problem in my family, but just, I see more of it. I noticed more of it and it definitely can like, it's definitely um, a blessing to not pick up on that tension sometimes as a child, even though sometimes you do as well. So um, that's what's changed over the years, just my perspective on it. But overall, it's still something I really enjoy. And I think the part that I did enjoy is still there. I just um, am playing a different role in it now. Yeah, I echo a lot about the big family aspect. So the first question on earliest memories. So I grew up in India for a long, like not a long time, but when I was really young. So my family, the, um, it was my grandma, my grandpa, my mom's aunt. So total, we were like 13 people just in our house. And we. I grew up in a very small town and village and literally every single person was family, which is crazy. So after Ramadan uh, on Eid, so like the celebration of the 30 days of fasting on Eid. So you'd go pray and then it's tradition to go to each person's house and like wish them Eid Mubarak and whatever. So I went with the family and I did not realize how many family members I had. So we went down one street and it was house after house after house, just like seven houses in a row were just our family members. So just like, hi. And so they'd had this one traditional suite. It's called, um, Shir Korma. It's like, um, it's like pudding in a way. So I would have that seven times in a row. I was sick of that sweet after like the third time, but it was great. I was like, this is great. But yeah, it's amazing. I think just being surrounded with a town full of family and a house full of family and just coming together and seeing that is very profound. And I think holidays really bring that out. I was also kind of looking up at the first question, kind of similar to your shot. Um, and I was family, I guess, is a common theme with everyone. And that's definitely the case for me. Um, and I know, so growing up, and especially with Christmas, I am a big stickler for tradition. So um, we have quite a few, I guess, now. But some things in my family is like from the time both me and my brother were like so young, we've been watching uh, Polar Express and Sound of Music during the holiday season. And so this is a kind of like a must, except with Sound of Music, it's like three hours. Um, and especially now that like I'm 18 and my brother is 21, um, we've seen it way too many times, but I'm kind of like one of those people where it's like, we, we have to absolutely do this. Like it's not Christmas if we don't. Um, and it's the same with like, even on Christmas day, um, can we have like the same kind of set routine of like, okay, we're gonna have presents in the morning. And then me and my mom, um, we kind of start doing a lot of the cooking and then we try to wrangle my brother to help out, even though that's quite unsuccessful half the time. Um, and then we always have like a family walk and the set kind of same menu for dinner. And I feel like it's one of those things where the common thing about why I look forward to Christmas so much is just because of kind of being able to spend time with your family and um, being able to kind of have that day to celebrate kind of um, 
coming together and doing these traditions that are so intertwined with, especially with my childhood, it is what kind of makes it really special. So I feel like that's one of those things, which especially getting older and going to college and having everyone in different places, um, being able to come back in the holiday time and have that same thing that was very much present in my childhood is what kind of makes it so special. I definitely feel you on the the, sound, the length of the sound of music. That was a family favorite in, in my family too. But we found this movie called 1776 and we would watch it every 4th of July. And it is a three hour long musical where they're all dressed head to toe in colonial outfits. <laughs> it's like John Adams singing about the decoration and people like so many people hate it, but like, our family were like, no, we have, like, it's not the 4th of July. If we don't listen to this super long movie that nobody likes, we have to, it's part of our tradition. And it is an interesting thing because my oldest brother, he really uh, bucked against that a little bit when we, with all of our traditions, in fact. And I want to ask you guys this question, because we all kind of talked about family and childhood and how our perceptions were different when we were a kid and we try to maintain those things when we were a little bit older. So my question would be is like, how do we actually maintain the magic of holidays when nobody's doing it for us now? Well, you know, I think uh, a lot of that is just about uh, taking initiative because to your point, you know, I sort of saw this slow drop off once I, um, even as I was get it going through college, right. Cause you move out and, you know, my sister moved out, she's my older sister. And then I moved out and then it's like, I moved to a different state and then it's like, all right, parents got an empty nest. My mom moved to a different state. My dad's going on vacation. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it gets more and more difficult. And for me, it's just like a matter of taking initiative. So it's like, all right, we're going to get in this group chat. What are we doing? Who's going where? Right. And with friends as well, like, okay, we all live in a place. We're going to hit secret Santa because we're not rich and we can't buy presents for everybody. So it's like, let's do the secret Santa. So just making sure that even if it has to be you who does it, because it is a priority for my family, but you know, life happens and, you know, it's just making sure that it's like, Hey, um, and this year, for example, my sister lives in California. My mom lives in Florida. Dad lives in Maryland. I live in Texas not easy. Right. So my, this year I'm going to my dad's house. I'm going to hang out with him. My mom's with my sister last year. I was with my sister. It's like, we're going to make it happen one way or the other. And it's like, there's multiple holidays, right? There's Thanksgiving, there's Christmas, there's birthdays. There's, if you, if it's a priority, you'll do it. And, you know, I think it's just a little more work this time around. That's, that's all it is. Um, and that includes traditions or, you know, whatever, whatever, um, a successful holiday is to you. And that might have to change a little bit, but you know, I, again, we all said it's all about being with the family and spending that time and coming and coming together, like Anishka said. So I feel like as long as that's there, it's like, you'll, for me, that's a successful holiday. And this question kind of made me think of, so being a minority and celebrating holidays that are not 
mainstream. We don't get the day off, which is something that we've been trying to fight the district board with of getting Eve off or getting Diwali off or whichever else. And it's very hard because it's like for me, so for Eve right now it falls in like April and May, which is around final season. And for kids, it's like tests and stuff. And so you often have to miss school and then you have to worry about all the work you're missing or some kids miss the holiday and they go to school because they can't like make it up either way. So I think that's a bit harder to do as like again as a minority group of like how can we celebrate when like school systems and work systems kind of work against you a little bit so that's like one concern i kind of had and then the other one is you're not validated the other thing i've noticed what so when i was in high school even and we talked about holidays and then obviously like i don't celebrate christmas and i was like oh you know ramadan and i was very excited to talk about it and no one it was just like pin drop silence and the teacher was like okay moving on from that as if like and so i've noticed that a lot where even with little kids just because people don't understand they move on very quickly and you're and what you celebrate is a part of your identity and it's almost like you're invalidating this person's identity in a way so i feel really bad when i see little kids go through that where it's like no you it's so cool what you celebrate it doesn't matter so i think even reaching out and just being like hey what like what's a fun tradition that you do i think that would mean a lot to a kid um so yeah i think i've noticed those two things coming from like a minority perspective yeah that's definitely um yeah something that i also kind of realized um because i grew up kind of in cheshire connecticut and there it was a predominantly white community but one of the things that i appreciated they did is that they would have for every holiday, uh, one of the parents come in who celebrated that holiday. So uh, for Hanukkah, there was a Jewish family that would come in and they would explain about the tradition and all the kids would kind of learn about it. Um, and then the same for all these major different kinds of holidays. And it was something which I really did appreciate because most people did celebrate the predominant Christian holidays, um, but it kind of gave exposure which was nice. And I felt like that's something that I didn't see as much of in when I moved to California. Um, something I was also kind of thinking about was uh, similar to what was kind of spoken about earlier about kind of just keeping the spirit of why we celebrate these holidays prevalent, um, even though it's kind of harder. You know, I think when I was younger, I was thinking about like on my Christmas wish list. I never really thought much of it. It was just kind of a, oh, like, I like this. I like this. I want this. Um, kind of like when I was like seven or whatever. And then I think like getting older, when you kind of understand more about like, oh, money and all that stuff. Um, it's not just this like idea of like, oh, like nothing really matters anymore. Because then you're like, oh, I kind of feel bad for asking for this. Or like, is this, do I really need this? Um, stuff like that. And I think that it goes back to like, oh, it's not actually that important. Um, like the traditions that we do, the things about like, oh, it has to be like this or it has to be like this. It's not important. It's like the main thing is about being with family and making that time special. Um, and I think that especially with the holidays that fall at the end of the year, you know, there's so much to celebrate in what everyone has kind of accomplished for that year. And I think being there for your family members and your friends and putting in that time and to show that you're care, that's the most important thing. And I think that as I've gotten older, it's just one of those things where it's not built in and that you have to actually work for. I like the point that you just ended with there, that it's not built in that you actually have to go out and put some work into it, learn about other people. I've had a cool experience this last couple, maybe a year and a half since I've moved to my new house. 
my one of my upstairs roommates is from Israel. And he, it's very interesting because he's very open about his holidays and his beliefs. And it's been cool for me to learn kind of firsthand what he does and how, what it means to him and all these different things from more of a personal perspective. I've, I've read about it in school. You hear about it like, and I had some, you know, non-practicing Jewish friends all throughout high school, but my, my housemate, he's, he built like a whole tabernacle in our backyard a couple months ago. And he always has like the menorah in the front window during Hanukkah. It's been really cool to learn like, just because I don't see it all the time doesn't mean it's not really valuable to him and to his whole community. So what do you guys think is really the trick to be able to balance all these kinds of traditions and holidays that may not have any intersection? That's kind of the problem I've seen a lot is that because it's really religious and it's really personal, it's hard to bridge the gap between one person's religious traditions and another person's religious traditions. What can we do better as a, a country or as just a community to help bridge the gaps between different people's belief systems? I think interfaith, so our mosque during Ramadan, so when when you break fast, we have an interfaith fast breaking night. So you like, you're told to bring a friend from a different faith or a different background and you sit and you break the fast together. So like they give you a date and so you kind of go through the process. So people have loved coming with me and like seeing like, oh, how do you do this? So I think even like small steps like that, where it's like, uh, and I really, even if you have parties, like holiday parties, we try to do this when we have Eid is like bringing friends from other cultures and religions to join in with the food and just kind of see and celebrate. So I think just like tiny steps we can take or like uh, institutions can take, um, like with an interfaith approach, I think can be really powerful. I definitely uh, agree with that. And, um, you know, I, I think in general, right, like even at the personal level from, you know, both for the country, which is like, you know, we don't even get the the holidays off that that, that we need, right? But um, to the institutions and then to at a personal level, you know, opening the doors to have that conversation and accepting that hey, I don't like, oh, we're all the same. That's not true, right? Accepting that we are different. There are differences. And like, hey, I don't have the tools myself to bridge that gap, you know, doing the work and like, hey, you know, what does Ramadan mean? What does Eid mean? What do these do? What Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, all these different things, what do they mean, right? And then going to someone and say, well, how do you celebrate? And, you know, tell me about what you do different. Let me, you know, go eat with your family, whatever that looks like. I think, at um, you know, at a, on a personal level, it's just about a, uh, giving people room to, uh, to, you know, share in that, in that sense. And then listening. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I feel like curiosity is like a very big component to all of this. And that I think that, um, on a small level of what we can do with friends and family is that kind of being curious to see a perspective that's different than what kind of I believe in or what I do. Um, one thing that I've really appreciated about a lot of my friends is that we like to go to, we're each religiously of a different background, but we kind of go to these different places. So I have a lot of kind of friends who are Christian and I've enjoyed kind of going to their church and seeing how they operate and what's important to them in that. And for me, like I'm a Hindu, so kind of bringing people to the temple and seeing that, um, I think that exchange is really cool because you kind of get to learn about a lot of the similarities um, between these different religions and consequently 
the different traditions and different holidays that kind of get to be celebrated as a result of that. Um, and then on the college level, I think it's really cool because of how everyone is kind of, especially like living in a dorm, you get exposure to a lot of different people who have different backgrounds and different religions and traditions. And um, I know that like I have one of my friends who is a Mormon and goes to church on Sundays and there's a LDS church that's nearby. And so she often takes like some of us with her and stuff like that. And so it's kind of, it's cool to see how as kind of friendships are blossoming, being able to be curious and go to these different faith centers and learn about different traditions. It's been really impactful. I, uh, funnily enough, when I was younger, I went to a charter school. It was all about uh, worldwide languages. So they, they wanted to teach the four most popular languages in the world. And the one that I learned about was Arabic. And so I studied Arabic for four, maybe five years in this school. And we would put on this Ramadan festival every year as part of the Arabic program. But my teacher, who was from Jordan, he was the only one that was Muslim. And he was the only one who actually understood anything that we were doing. And so we were trying our best. I'm sure it was terrible, but we were trying our best to understand. So I guess my question here, and maybe this is directly to Rashad, but I would love to hear everybody else's perspectives. Like, what is the line between learning about somebody else's faith and then like maybe accidentally appropriating their traditions and their faith? No, I think that's a good question. I, that's a tricky line, but I, I feel like from what I've seen from like my mosque and community, everyone's been very like, uh, there hasn't been that many instances where we kind of cross the line. I think it's as open. I, there's people that have participated in fasts with us that are not uh, of the religion. So I think we're in, in, especially in terms of Ramadan, very open to whatever people want to experience. So I would say from my, but again, that's like my perspective, my background, but I, I would be curious to see what everyone else would say. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't, um, I obviously can't speak on your faith or shot, but, um, you know, what I what I can say is that from my perspective, you know, with anything, even speaking as, you know, an African-American, a black person. Right. Um, you know, I have someone white come to the family function or come in a primarily black uh, uh, situation. Right. I think it's just all about understanding that, like, you are um, a guest and being not in that you should walk on eggshells, but, you know, just being understanding like, hey, you don't know, you know, like, like I don't try to guess certain things, right? Like just ask, be curious, be genuine. And to your point, you know, I think more often than not, people are very happy to share their traditions and their culture. And I think if you're being, you know, if you're having some, um, if you're reading the room, right, you do your own research, you make sure you don't put all that work on them as well. And you come in that sense, then I think it'd be very difficult to like do something truly offensive, at least from my perspective. I absolutely agree. I feel like intention is like the big portion here of like when people take initiative and it's very, I think it can be really obvious when it's like genuine and earnest. Um, I think that's the key indicator. I think my family had a Diwali party a while back. And I know uh, we invited a lot of people who are a lot of white people or a lot of people who are just not Indian. And um, I think one of the things is like a lot of them asked about like clothing, like um, 
whether like where they could find Indian clothes or what kind of Indian clothes to wear and stuff like that. Um, and I felt like a lot of, you know, in them asking and being curious and the way they were approaching it was wanting to be a part of that. Um, I think that it was very obviously done in a very genuine way. And so I feel like when people try to approach it respectfully, um, that's when I think it's important and it doesn't really cross the line because then you're more willing to kind of help them and um, it's a more positive environment rather than kind of what you were saying earlier about like assuming and being more, yeah, I guess not taking that earnest approach. So it's more about in, intention and, and curiosity. Uh, that's kind of what I'm gathering from everyone else's points and not us making these assumptions. I like what you said, Andre, about like making sure you're a guest, don't walk on eggshells, but like know that this isn't necessarily your community and you can become a part of it, but there, there's, there's a transition there. It's something I see a lot. My mom is from Guatemala. And so it's always funny to gather with her side of the family because they all speak Spanish and they're all loud, talkative, funny Latinas. She's got seven sisters. So it's just like, it's always big and fun and crazy. And every now and again, someone will get a new in-law and they're usually like very wide-eyed and scared. There's some, there's some gringo like walking to the party, not quite understanding what's going on. But I do think it's important to just be like, okay, you are welcome here. You are welcome here and you can be part of this, but you're not part of it just automatically that there, there is, there are things you need to learn. There, there are processes that need to be put in place. I think that, um, I feel like I have pretty limited experiences, um, but something that I can think of is I went to a wedding uh, a little while back in Columbus, Ohio, actually. And um, it was, I think the first Indian wedding that I had been to um, where the groom was, he was white. And the, um, but the whole wedding was uh, a very Indian wedding. So all of the festivities, all the religious um, kind of things that were being done um, the clothing, everything was done like in a very Indian way. And I felt like it was kind of unique seeing the blend of kind of his side of the family versus, I guess, our side of the family, which uh, in terms of like the size and just how many people um, and all those kinds of differences. But I think it was like, so for, for, I guess, from my experience, this was probably like the first time I saw kind of some a, a new group of people being in a different space almost um and it was it was unique um and it was very nice because it was kind of cool to see that I could tell I think the groom was at times a little confused or a little uncomfortable at things but he was very like high-spirited in it and he really kind of took it as his own so I think that was a very nice exchange um I guess an example that uh that I would have is um, I have a friend who uh, I met her back in middle school and we were pretty close all throughout, um, you know, high school and then uh, into the college years. And he um, is Vietnamese. His mother and father are uh, from Vietnam. And, um, you know, when I would go over there, they were always cooking traditional Vietnamese food. And, you know, I've been there for certain like family gatherings and things like that throughout the years. And, you know, I had a couple of interesting experiences. I remember I went to dinner with them 
at this one kind of hole in the wall, you know, and it's the whole clientele was a Vietnamese, I assume. And like, you know, I was there and I was like using the chopsticks kind of like very analytically, like I could use them just enough, you know, but his dad was looking at me. He was like, you know, he said something to the way that man brought me a fork. I was like, (laughs) you know, I was a little, little embarrassed, but you know, they always, um, you know, for me, I just, um, would always make sure that, uh, you know, obviously there's stuff I could be told, like, take your shoes off coming in the house. Right. But then, you know, other things I, you know, try to make sure I sit there and have conversation with their, with his parents, you know, it's a little intimidating at times because, you know, they primarily they're speaking Vietnamese around the house and, you know, they're, they're kind of going about their, their own business and everything and kind of stay out the way. But, you know, I just want to make sure I'm being open with them. I'm talking with them. I'm like, how are y'all, how are y'all doing? Whatever. And through that, you know, I've learned a few things and even, you know, they've talked to me little comments about just like the show they're watching and stuff. And like, you know, I think in just bridging that gap and like having that courage and still maintaining like some, like a certain level of respect, I was able to, you know, learn, learn a little bit more about them. And then, you know, just deep my deepen our bond and my bond with my friend as well for me i so when i was in elementary school my parents used to do like english lessons at a church nearby and as kids we would there was a babysitting um i'd done by volunteers or like husband and they're really young but they were married and it was so much fun like i think at first like because I, I was like i've never been in a church before but it was nice to kind of see and they were so nice and welcoming in the facility so they were they're like i mean they're like great mentors to have and so yeah i think at the beginning it was a bit awkward it was a bit like uh, like Stuart was saying it's a process it takes time so that was there but i think after a year like the teachers and like my family and the babysitters that we had we all became so cohesive that it's like it just it was nice when it all melted together so i really like that i think it's really rewarding i love that feeling when you feel like you're part of a culture that you weren't just born into and you're like this is nice like i feel like i'm kind of at home here with these people as opposed to like that what you were saying before shot about it's kind of a little awkward at first the trepidation you're kind of walking in slowly i dated a girl for a long time from india and so interacting with all of her family and she also did traditional Indian dance. So I went to some of her performances and everybody else there is Indian. I'm the only non-Indian person in the whole room. And everyone else is like kicking off their shoes like it's normal. And I'm like unlacing my boots and it's taking me 10 full minutes. And it was, but it was great. Cause I just like, they were so willing to let me learn about it. Nobody was like giving me the side eye or like, who's this guy? How did he come in here? And I, I love that experience. Before we kind of end this round, I wanted to ask you guys one of the the questions here as kind of our our finisher before we go to round three. And the question is, what experiences have you had sharing your own traditions with other people? Because we talked a little bit about other people showing you their traditions and their culture. What experiences have you had sharing yours? Yeah, I guess for me, it would be the example I used earlier you know i've had friends over for uh family events and over at the house and you know we got a certain way of um a certain way of doing things you know my uh 
my mom, for example, she's really big on party games, board games, things like that. And, you know, things get people get those drinks on them. They get rowdy and it's like, but that's just, but it's all good and good fun. You know, people get that energy and they're like, man, he cheating, you know, whatever. Right. And like the, um, you know, music will come on or like even these older songs, like the cookout songs. Right. And people, they hit the line dances, like they're doing the different dances and then you're sitting there walking them through the steps and like, you know, maybe they haven't heard certain music or even had certain food before or had, you know, mac and cheese prepared a certain way or whatever it might be. So, um, you know, I've had that experience uh, a couple of times and it's great. You know, again, you know, people are generally really welcoming. My family's no exception. I think those people had a good time. And I think that, you know, as they continued to come around, um, they got more comfortable and they were able to sort of form their own relationship outside of myself with like other people in my family. So that's really nice to see. And, um, you know, it just, um, I think it, uh, I could see like just seeing that person come out of their shell and like seeing them like get more curious as they sort of get deeper into it and gain more, more acceptance. It's a, it's a great feeling. My experience would be, I think mine's a bit more negative and I kind of mentioned this before about like sharing it and then just kind of being glossed over or like undermined. I feel like that was a big theme when I was in high school. I think when I got to college, it got a little better. People were a bit more uh, willing to listen, but there was still that stigma, this like, oh, we don't understand. So we're not going to take the effort to understand. So just being glossed over has been my experience, sadly. I feel like the, what you were saying earlier about dance, um, that was kind of something I also grew up I grew up doing um, an Indian style of dance, Bharatanatyam, so for quite a while. And I think one of the exchanges that I had in my life was um, kind of having a lot of my friends show up for these dance performances. And it was obviously like it was a very predominantly kind of Indian um, area. And so in these performances, I think a lot of the times it was kind of maybe hard to understand from an outside perspective of what was going on or um, they would speak a lot of like in English, but then they would also speak in different languages and what people were wearing was very different. And I think I really appreciated that a lot of my friends would still kind of show up to this um, and they would support me even if they didn't really fully understand what was going on. Um, and it was kind of cool to see that. And a lot of these performances too would be kind of a long time, like maybe three hours because there was so many groups of kids uh, kind of performing. And so it was, it meant a lot that like they would sit through all of that and they would ask questions about it afterwards and they would always kind of be excited for the next performance. Um, and so I felt like that was one of those exchanges where uh, my friends kind of got to see more of my culture. I think that's really cool. The three hours might be hard, but I, I love sharing. Dance is a big one. I think is really easy to share with people across the board because all cultures have their own understanding and their own love for dance uh we latter-day saints are bad at dancing but we still do it a lot one of the experiences that i definitely i've had both the kind of having your beliefs brushed aside and the having your friends really kind of embrace and enjoy learning about your beliefs so it's been cool to kind of have both one of the experiences that i really cherished was i had a friend of mine who came to church with me on easter one year not Christian, not even really a theist, just like they wanted to be with me. And so they came to church and they were very 
specific about the questions they asked. They wanted to know like exactly like how long of a dress to wear and like what patterns were okay. Like, well, we're going into a pretty conservative Christian denomination. Like what can I have different colored hair? Like what am I looking at here? And it was, it was a cool thing because I could tell by their questions that they were a little bit nervous, but that they were willing to do it. And by the end of the day, I think everyone had a good time, even if it was just a little strange. And I, that's kind of the key that I've learned for the most part with learning about other traditions, other religions. It's okay to be a little bit uncomfortable and you just kind of roll with it and you be respectful. And eventually that discomfort kind of fades away and you just, it just becomes another normal part of your life. So we're going to move into round three, the reflecting on the conversation round. And we're each going to get two minutes to answer one of the following questions. What was the most meaningful slash valuable thing to you in this conversation? What learning, new understanding, or common ground was found on the topic? How has this conversation changed your perception of anyone in this group? Is there a next step you would like to take based upon the conversation? So I can go first and we'll go back into that that order as before question I want to answer here. What was most meaningful slash valuable to you in this conversation? I just like hearing about how common all the values in most major religions are. I always find that, find that so interesting. I took a comparative religion class in high school and the major theme I came out from that was like, Oh, they're really, there isn't that much difference. And we all talked about it at the very beginning and throughout the course of this conversation. That's like holidays are about family. It's about your friends, about people that you care about. And everybody is welcome if they come with the right intention. And we will help them become part of this. And I, I don't know. It's always touching to me when you think about how much the Venn diagram actually overlaps in humanity because we only ever focus on the parts that are on the outside. No, I, I definitely agree. Um, going off the second question, what learning, new understanding, or common ground was found on the topic, that's uh, sort I was thinking in a similar vein where everything that everyone said for the differences in our upbringing um, and our traditions, it all centered back to we want to be with our loved ones. You know, we want to celebrate that time together, eat some good food and maybe get off work. Right. Like, I feel like we, we all more or less want the same thing. And just hearing about like how your shot, for example, was saying this experience that you have as a kid. Cause yeah, you know, if, if a major part of what I believe was, was, you know, what was important and what mattered and like to, to my family and my traditions was not even mentioned, you know, didn't even get like, yeah, that would, that would make me feel some type of way. And that would affect, you know, sort of how I, how I view uh, myself and my role, like in this society. So I definitely um, gained some new understanding and I'm glad to see that we all kind of uh, focused on the same um, stuff in terms of the holidays. And I feel like, listen, any one of y'all's um performances family parties like invite me you know i'll i'll <laughs> i'll come through for sure um so I, yeah i thought it was i thought it was really productive and i'm glad that you know we um we're all on, on the same page in that way i'd say for me i think it's what stuart said before was um 
there's an initial period of discomfort, but then it becomes like a normal part of your life. And I think that's like, it just applies to life in general. Cause I feel like a lot, we don't do things because we're afraid it's uncomfortable, but that's the point. Like you're not going to get anywhere if you don't want to sit in discomfort and get better. So I think that's just a good life uh, lesson to take in the future. I think I was on the same wavelength as you shot. Um, I was thinking about the last question about the next steps I'd like to take kind of based on this conversation. And I was thinking about kind of after like hearing about what everyone's perspective is kind of about joining these spaces that are not familiar uh, to you, it makes me kind of want to go out and be in those kind of uncomfortable situations of joining someone else's family traditions or seeing someone else's culture. Because I think at times, especially in the beginning, it could feel a little bit uncomfortable um, and just because you feel really out of place. But I think what Irshad was saying about kind of sticking through it and really how much you can kind of gain from that experience, it makes me want to kind of put myself out there and have more of those kind of experiences. So it sounds like we're all going to join Irshad for Ramadan. And then we're going to all go to Andre's house for Christmas, maybe get a little drunk, play some games, but, and then we'll go watch your dance recitals and maybe watch all of the sound of music. It's going to be busy. I got to buy some plane tickets because we live all the way across the country. I really do appreciate you guys joining me today. I honestly think, and I think about this basically every day, whenever I interact with anybody, whenever you have a negative interaction with somebody, you think about it a lot. But when you have positive ones, you don't necessarily dwell on it as much. Because there some the we take for granted the positivity and the niceness of lots of people. If someone waves at you or smiles at you on the street, you just think, okay. You're like, all right. But if someone's really rude to you, then you think about that, you dwell on it, you think about what it means for you and what it means for the world. I like taking the opportunity to just recognize how similar we all are and how much every major religion, every major culture that I've ever heard of, it's all centered around building community, protecting those that you love and trying to do better for the people who are in need. And I just, I love that. To our audience at home, if you enjoyed this conversation, the beautiful thing about living room conversations is that you can have your very own version of this exact conversation. You go to livingroomconversations.org and you download the Holidays and Traditions Guide, and you'll have all the same questions, all the same rules. You can set timers. You can you know, go outside kind of the conversation agreements that we have, depending on your community and who you're with. But just know that these conversations can be had by you with strangers, with friends, with family. And all it takes is for you to go to our website and to download a guide. So we appreciate you for listening. You can download all the guides and you can donate at our website. You can join our Patreon. There's not much on there, but you can join it. And if you want to learn more about what we do and what events we have coming up, you can follow us on Instagram and X at Living Room Convo. You can find us at Living Room Conversations on Facebook and YouTube and any other platform. So I, I thank the guests and I thank the listeners. Have a good rest of your day.